This week, instead of having a sponsor for the podcast, we have put some links in the podcast description for charities you might like to donate to to support refugees around the world, including from Ukraine. Welcome to the Out of Ink podcast with myself, B. Baranoska, and Molly Lemon. This is the podcast where two anxious creatives talk openly and honestly about life as an artist. So this is going to be a fun podcast because I literally was on the Zoom call for two seconds for B. Went, you're really stressed, aren't you? It's radiating <laughs> off you. So sorry if it's radiating so far, you can tell. She just has a very stressed uh, a stressed look on her face. I'm scared of it. Before we were starting the podcast, I thought I'd write a list of everything I needed to do. Oh no. And I didn't quite have time to do that, but I'm going to have to do that after. But after our to-do list episode, I was like, I'm going to sort my life out. This is going to be the best thing ever. And for two days, I was smashing it. <laughs> I, was, I was, you know... And then um, there was so much to do. I couldn't fit only five to-dos oh, on each no. day. And then I was like, this is, just doesn't... I can't. You set yourself up for failure, didn't you? Did you put ten things on the to-do list? No, I just knew there was so much to do. I couldn't even write it down. And it's been about ten days since then where I just have been so stressed and so busy. I can't even write down what I need <laughs> to do. And now I'm, I'm just a mess on the floor. Great. So Molly's a mess on the floor. Yeah. I'm I'm just about uh, holding it together, but uh, we'll see how we go. <laughs> but we'll do our best to cheer you guys up. As always, yeah. This usually cheers you up as well. So, I mean, yeah, we'll have you laughing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure we'll leave this, like, feeling at least 10% better than how we 12%. are now. 12%. <laughs> okay, 12%. <laughs> That's what we're aiming for. I can't believe it's Thursday. I've been waiting for this week for ever because if you listened mm. to the last episode, you'd know that it was the dream house viewing this week. Yeah. Uh, so uh, basically, just been living for that. And how was the dream house viewing? It was delightful. The house was delightful. <laughs> uh, it was the house of dreams. It, it was. It's such a nice house. But now, um, so yeah. So it was really nice. We have made an offer on dream house and now i have five mm-hmm. anxiety ridden days while i sit and wait and just basically contemplate my future and whether or not you know i get the dream house or not mm. yeah it's a bit weird now isn't it because when a house goes for sale there's normally just like loads of offers yeah. and you don't know what each other have offered and then you just have to it's hope. such a nightmare it's a really awful buying market out there mm. um but yeah, so before the viewing, day of Dreamhouse viewing, mm. I had a really bad omen. Something happened and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I'll yeah. set the scene. Uh, okay, mm. so we knew we were going to be out for around three hours. It was yeah. chucking it down with rain outside. I just made me and Adam some uh, sad car sandwiches for the journey. Any sandwich is a sad sandwich. Well, there you go. And I needed to take Margot out to the toilet. Um, Margot doesn't do rain as you well know. So she refused Mm. to follow me outside. So I was like, right, okay. Time was running out. We needed to leave soon. And so I decided that I would have to carry her to the garden for a forced wee. (laughs) Sounds painful. I opened the door 
Put on a pair of sad, soggy Crocs that I used for uh, going into the chicken enclosure. Um, And with Margot in one hand, I walked about three paces and I fell face first uh, (laughs) into the soaking wet, seriously muddy concrete of like slash patio outside. And I landed... I landed on top of Margot. Like I squished her oh, no. with my body. She's so breakable. Yeah. So I landed on top of her. I've buggered up my knee. Uh, can I say bugger? Yeah. <laughs> can you say Will you bugger? bleep me out? <laughs> no, I won't bleep you out. Don't mind. But anyway, all of my clothes were then covered in like mud and sludge and rainwater with essence of chicken poo. And then Margot, mm. I just looked at Margot and then she instantly lifted up her bad paw and limped away from the scene. So her foot, which had, oh, no, yeah, yeah her back. foot, which had just healed, was then uh, broken again. So it was no. so awful and you fell on your dog i then had to get in the car straight away and drive to this house being like covered in mud and just no. and i was in so much pain as well well it's unlucky but i'm glad it wasn't a bad omen and it was just you being your usual clumsy self basically i've decided more that you need to take one for the team next week and do something really embarrassing because it's just a bit much that it's always me Oh, don't. I was literally just walking down the stairs about half an hour ago thinking, I might fall and break my arm and then I wouldn't be able to do the show and then maybe I wouldn't be so stressed. <laughs> so you never know, it might Well, I'm, I'm really carrying us through the uh, awkward, embarrassing stories here, so I'm really hoping next week it's you. <laughs> life is like, in my immediate life, just feels very uneventful. It just feels very grey. It feels very, <laughs> like relentless and uh mundane i would say is what life is right now <laughs> well i'm sorry about your knee i'm sorry about Marg. is margo's leg no. improved at all oh no she's still really badly limping i was holding her like this and my whole body crushed her against the patio it's oh, it's no. awful and her legs are like little twigs anyway her little whippet twiggy legs in hindsight it's quite funny but it was awful <laughs> it was awful at the So, this week, the anxiety scale is serial. Uh, Molly was really not keen on this scale, but we're going with it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I said I don't like it, and then I said, but I don't have the brain power to think of another one, so yes, good idea. I love cereal, Molly does not. It took me actually ages to think of any cereals that I don't like for this scale. Mm. You probably had the opposite problem. Um... Oh, I can hear Sam putting the bins out. Oh, good, God, good husband life. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> good husband life. Oh, okay, yeah. Good husband life slash. Why now? Uh, Why now? <laughs> well done, <laughs> Sam. Though I mean, well done. Yeah, well, well done, Sam. But come on, <laughs> I'm a professional here, trying to trying to record a podcast. Um, so yeah, it did. Well, to be fair, it, it's not like I don't like cereal. It's the fact I don't like dry things <laughs> that become soggy. So I don't like gravy on my potatoes <laughs> and I don't really like milk on my cereal. But then cereal on its own is very dry. Mm. Obviously, I wouldn't have it mm. on its own. But like, they're not awful, but it's not my dream breakfast. Okay. Number 10, best day ever, not anxious mm-hmm. at all. We've got Golden Grahams. Um... I haven't found these for sale in the UK for ages. 
But Are you sure that's what they're yeah, called? Yeah, their sister cereals called Cinnamon Grahams. Have you heard of those? That is my number 10. Right, yeah, they're really close second. I love okay, them. Okay, so we, for the first time ever, we agree. <laughs> I almost put... But I've never had a Golden Graham. I've had a Cinnamon Grahams, but they're not called Cinnamon Grahams anymore. They're called Curiously Cinnamon. If you like Cinnamon Grahams, you'll love Golden Grahams. They're like Cinnamon Grahams, but, well, they're just... They're just Oh. I don't understand who Graham is and why they suddenly got rid of his name in the title. <laughs> I know, poor Graham. He, he got demoted. What's the golden one? Is it Curiously Golden? No, so I honestly, if you're listening to this and you're in the UK and you know where I can buy golden mm. Grahams, please message me. I don't think they sell them in the supermarket anymore. Uh, I don't... I believe that they're still called golden Grahams, but I used to buy them in France, of course. Okay. <laughs> Of course. So what are they? What's the, So the cinnamon ones are like sugary and cinnamony. Yes. So what's the... They're the same shape, rims? but they're... Square. Yeah. But I think they're like um, golden syrupy instead of nice. cinnamony. Really good. I looked up how much sugar was in Curiously Cinnamon and it's 25 grams per 100 grams. So it's basically quarter <laughs> sugar. Good. It's so bad. Like, I just wouldn't eat them for breakfast. They're more of, like, a pudding. They're that sugary. I can't believe for the first time on the podcast we've, we're in agreement mm. here. Amazing. I know. I feel like we're bonding. <laughs> also, another question. Mm. On all cereal packets, the, like, recommended amount of cereal is 30 grams. It's not. It's not enough, is it? Well, I don't measure out my cereal, but I feel like 30 grams isn't a lot. No. Looking at bowl sizes... From your description last week, a ramen bowl <laughs> yeah. filled to the top is a good cereal amount. Like, I don't want a bit in the bottom. Wow, that's a big bowl of cereal. No, I want half a packet of cereal and quite a lot of milk. If I'm going to eat number one on the anxiety scale, I probably only want 30 grams, if that. And number one okay. is all bran. That, that's like um, those really oh, thin... Oh, I like all bran. Oh, no, it tastes awful. I really like bran flakes... Oh, maybe that's the one. Yeah, brown flakes are quite tasty. No, no, no. Are they the twigs? Yeah, they're so thin. Yes. Oh, right. You've heard it here first. (laughs) Me and Molly are in agreement fully on anxiety scales. Yeah, I like them flattened, like the brown brown flakes. flakes, Yeah, but I don't like them in the twig form because brown flakes are like sweeter somehow. Don't know why. Also, the twigs are quite sharp. Yeah, they're awful. Okay, <laughs> so today I'm three, and do you want to guess what cereal I've rated? Okay, so I think a sugar puff. Do you know what? I They're really d- I did think about putting a sugar puff. Yeah, they are odd. They taste weird. The texture's weird. I think they're probably on par with what I've put. And I've put uh, mm. shreddies. And I put shreddies because mm. they go soggy really quickly. Like... I feel mm. like they instantly just turn into basically mush. I don't mind a shreddy. Well, they don't taste it very much, unless they're the sh- um, frosted shreddies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with your scale. Great. <laughs> How about you? Well, we know, all know what's at the top of mine. Mm-hmm. Curiously Cinnamon. And then for my most anxious day ever, I think it's pretty predictable, and I'm surprised it wasn't there on yours, mm. but Weetabix. No! Oh, No! I love oh, Weetabix. No. I love Weetabix. What? They're so dry. It's like eating, like, dust. You've got to wait for the milk to soak into Weetabix. 
No, because I don't like soggy things. Oh. I have to eat my cereal while it's still freshly poured. Okay, well, Weetabix are only good soggy, so I see your problem. How horrible. <laughs> and then they, on the adverts, it, like, they can <laughs> add strawberries and, like, they try and make it look fancy when really it's just, like, dry cardboard that crumbles and is soggy. And honestly, you can't add anything. It won't make it better. You just need to not eat it. Anyway, today, uh, I'll let you guess... The cereal, because you know I'm at a three, slash probably a two, but I'll say a three. <laughs> so what do you think is at a three? Well, you've already said sugar puffs for me. Mm. Um, Cheerios. I quite like a Cheerio. They'd be up there with maybe a seven. I love eight. Cheerios too, so I'm really pleased. Um, Good. Uh, I don't know then. A Rice crispy. <gasps> oh no, I love Rice Krispies. No, they're just a bit soggy and a bit... Rice Krispies remind me of childhood. Happy childhood days. Yeah, same. And I like the sound of a Rice crispy. Snap, crackle and pop. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> but like, it, And they go soggy real quick mm, as well. But like I like them mesh. soggy. No. This is the thing. I think you've got cereals whereby... They go soggy and it's good and they taste better. And then you've got cereals where they go soggy and it just me- makes them inedible. Mm. And I would put Rice Krispies in the good soggy. And I'd put Weetabix in the good soggy. And I think you're putting both of those in the inedible soggy. Yeah, I am. Well, I'd eat Rice Krispies, but like I would never buy them. Sad times. So, what's the topic for today? Well, the topic is about... I'm not really sure how we're going to title this episode, but it's about Mm. your artistic (laughs) style, your creative style. Is it important? That's Mm. quite a long title, but Mm. that's the gist. As always, uh, thank you to everyone who sent in questions for us to answer. We will answer as many as possible and hope it's helpful. Question one. Do you have any tips to help find your style? Oh, tips. Um, I sent Molly these questions so she could look at them and pre- prepare answers. And she said to me before we started recording, yeah, I saw that email at the same time I sent you the Zoom link for the record. <laughs> I haven't so, opened it. I'm really sorry. You spent the time typing it out and I haven't opened it. That's bad. But I like a good surprise. But now, obviously, I don't know what to say. So... And also, I'm quite aware of answering one question and answering more than one. Yeah, we, we do that a lot, I think. We do do that a lot. I'll try and avoid that. But uh, find your style. I think it's something that happens over time, just with practice. Yeah. I think it's something that I actively went out and, like, I didn't seek a style. It just kind of happened as I made more and more artwork. I think you just try things and you try, like, different techniques and as you say, yeah, you just practice, 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 and then eventually you find something that suits you. And you enjoy mm. it, more, most importantly. So you just keep yeah. going with it, and then eventually that turns into your style. Yeah. How did you find your own style? Uh, basically, I found it in exactly the same way that I just answered, how do you find your style? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I used to really struggle and think maybe I, I didn't have one style. Or, like, it took me mm. quite a while to find a style. But then I think it's what you enjoy doing most. And did, would you say I have yeah. a style? Yeah, I would. I'd say if I saw your work... If I just saw your work and didn't recognise it, though, I'd be like, where's she been hiding that? I know all her work. So <laughs> I'd be a bit confused. But mm. beyond that, I would think, oh, that's a bit like Bee's... Oh, it's Bee's work. 
Mm. Like, you do have a style, definitely, mm. even if you can't see it yourself. I find this question a bit difficult because I don't really know what my style is. Are we talking like uh, like a... So you can see maybe style is two different things in that your mm. practice or mm. your style of art, like, you know, modernism. Uh, give me some more styles of art. <laughs> Pointillism. <laughs> because your, your, your style is surely wood engraving. No, that's my technique. Well... Because y- you could be a painter, but that's not your style. Oh, that's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, because when I... Cause yeah. I Mm. But I guess... Mm. It's your question, you answer it. <laughs> <laughs> What's in my question? So, I... Yeah, I find it weird because um, my style with a paintbrush or... Yeah, a paintbrush or a pencil or any other medium that's not printmaking or monoprinting because that's quite painterly. That's, mm. like, really... I go big, I go abstract, I go a lot of mark <laughs> so like making. totally different to your wood engraving. Yeah. So when I first made a wood engraving, it was really, like, precise and delicate. And I was like, I don't recognise this, but I think it's something I always wanted to be able to make, mm. but didn't think it was my style. So my wood engravings, I look at them and I think... I don't understand because <laughs> that's not what I make when I draw. And my drawings are very, like, really different and I'm really confused by it. Do you also think that with wood engraving, though, it would be really hard to produce something abstract because the process yeah. of wood engraving is so intricate and you need to be making deliberate lines, whereas with an abstract style, it's much more yeah. free and, like, I just feel like it'd be much harder to do. Yeah, I do think because it's like small and yeah, you have to be really precise. You're like forced to work a certain way. But I always feel like a little bit like a fraud because I know that's (laughs) not how I draw and maybe that's not me. And like the artwork I'm drawn to and I buy is like big and abstract. So (laughs) I just have this like weird thing of like people like my wood engravings and I like my wood engravings, but they're not what I would have ever thought I'd be producing. And I'm confused by it still and I've been making them for like five years that's really interesting I'm gonna skip to a question down here because it says how long did it take you to settle into a style and then it says I'd love to see some of yours and Molly's early work and I think you should Mm. post uh one of your abstract paintings on Instagram for people to see when this episode comes out and I will post so basically my answer to this question was that I used to love um watercolors and Mm. uh oil pastel i used to do loads of really big oil pastel pieces like i just loved it so yeah my style has changed so much over the years like i can't remember the last time i even saw an oil pastel everything i do now is digital but do you think if you picked up an oil pastel now and you drew you draw it in your current style or would you go back to your old style see i don't know the answer to that because obviously as you develop as an artist you just get better your technique improves or it, or it doesn't necessarily improve but it changes and then you get used to a way of working so I think to revert back to an old way of working I don't know I don't know if that's possible because mm. like, I used to love um drawing on a freehand sewing machine we've talked about this before so did I yeah, yeah. and I loved that and I thought that I really wanted to do textiles but that's really different isn't it that's just totally different to what either of us do so mm. that's kind of maybe we were doing that as a part of a process to finding what we were gonna end up doing yeah and also like neither of us started our current like main technique 
doing really different work, mm. I think. We started it doing something relatively similar to what we make now. So uh, it seems like the technique you choose really influences the style you come out with. How do you find the balance between brand consistency and freedom to experiment and grow? Um, I think in most cases, you are the brand. So whatever yeah. you put out there really is a little bit of you and a little bit of your own style. Yeah. You do, you do sometimes probably find yourself moving away from that a bit. So, like, for example, I do designs, f- like, for a card company, like, licensing designs. And they quite often send me briefs, and, and I just... It's something that I would never do. And I've got to do it mm. in a totally different style, and I'd never put my name to it. But because I didn't sell it myself, I just sort of I'd do it and send it and then try and forget that it ever happened. Yeah. So I think, yeah, sometimes you do end up deviating away from it, but but mainly... You probably stick to it. Yeah, I agree. I have never really worried about doing something that doesn't feel like my style. I just think it's important to keep making new work and making what you want to make because that's how you'll feel excited about what you're making and that's how you'll succeed. I know it's a bit of a worry if for, with social media, if you're used to posting something that's what you normally do and then you post something quite different and you're worried about the reaction, mm. but... If it's something you want to post and something you want to make, then you need to do it. I I feel like there's some artists that they know what sells and so they just make like the same image basically in slightly different colours. And there's a part of that that's experimentation and like working out an idea. But then when you're 10 years in, you know. Do you actually love doing that? Yeah, you're still getting the joy of making by just like basically repeating yourself. Yeah, and it might be guaranteed sales, but are you being fulfilled? Are you growing as... Like, I think the only way to grow is to make new things and challenge yourself, and I think your style will change if you do that, and that's okay. So, Molly, if you could give everyone one piece of advice about their own artistic style, what would it be? It would be not to worry about it. I have had messages from artists starting out worried that their work is consistent and Mm. um, worried about getting a style. I, I do think most of the time you don't notice your own style, you can't see it. Yeah. But I really think it's not something you need to worry about. Yeah. So I think it's important that you are your own brand. So so Mm. long as, like, your branding is consistent, it doesn't matter necessarily if you move away from a certain style because people are still going to recognise it as you. Um, Yeah. Because I worried about that myself when I started doing... I I really wanted to do landscapes and I thought they were too different from my other work. But I just... It was something I really wanted to do. So I just sort of stopped worrying about it and did it, so... Yeah. Hang on a minute. Sam's got really, really loud music on, and I can feel it through the floor. Hang on. Bear with. What happened? He just, he just loves dubstep. He just, (laughs) or, (laughs) I don't even know what it is, but he loves loud music. Like, he put a subwoofer in our car, like, he wired it in, um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he he just loves to feel that music, and I was feeling it through my feet. You ruined it for him. You made him turn it down. Yeah, and now I can't breathe because it just ran down and ran up the stairs. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> so, a couple of hours ago, I was at the dentist's. Oh, your favourite thing. Yeah, if you've listened to... I don't know what podcast it was. It but was early it was on. Year. I reckon it was two or three. Hmm, it was before the wedding. Hmm. Um... And I hadn't been to the dentist for, I think it was, like, ten years. <laughs> it was a long time, yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, the dentist called today to give me a last minute appointment for a dental hygienist appointment, which mm. is way worse than a normal dental appointment, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, but I was really worried I was just going to cough in their face the whole time because the cold has gone, but the cough has stayed. And did you cough in her face? I did not cough in her face, but it is just the worst. I mean, not to put anyone off that <laughs> maybe also had me into the dentist in 10 years, but you feel real vulnerable lying on your back with your mouth open. And then they get these tools out trying to <laughs> clean your teeth. And then, like, the the suction thing that sucks all your saliva out and then, you know... What? It, I've never had that. What's that? Have you not? No. It's like um a thing that sucks, like, because they spray water at your teeth. I've never been to the hygienist. Isn't that just really extra dentisting where they, <laughs> where they clean your teeth for you? Yeah, with like a, they polish it as well. Why, are you, paying, why anyway. are you paying for that? <laughs> and then there's like a, it just, it, it it sprays everywhere. Anyway, you just feel like so vulnerable <laughs> and you, you know you've never looked more unattractive than at that moment. <laughs> Do you still have that really attractive dentist? The dentist that was never attractive, but he was just very kind. But you know what, B? He's retired because he's that old and you made it up that badly. No, he was a lovely, lovely man. But no, he's retired, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you put words in my mouth on that podcast, making it sound like he was, you know, a very attractive dentist when in sure. fact he was very kind. Sure. But on the edge of retirement, he has now gone into retirement and I wish him well. Oh, great. Is that it for the dentist story? Yeah. Well, nothing happened apart from, like, my mouth bled everywhere. And then at the end, <laughs> at the end of the um, of the treatment, she, like, got a little tissue. And it was like, um, you know when your mum licks a tissue and then dabs around your face? <laughs> Did your mum ever do that? <laughs> Did your mum do that? Was that just mine? <laughs> oh, I wish I could say that was just yours. But, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So she got a little bit of wet tissue. I don't think she wet it with her mouth. I think it was probably water. <laughs> the dentist. I, I really hope she didn't yeah. just spit on a tissue. <laughs> Covid-friendly. She, <laughs> she, like, dabbed around my mouth, really gently wiped around my mouth, and I was, like, just lying there going, I could probably do this myself if you let me sit up. <laughs> I just felt like, this isn't pleasant. I'm not looking forward to it happening again in six months. And why does it need to be six months? That's so frequent to have your mouth polished. Why have you got roped into going to a hygienist? I don't understand. (laughs) Well, the thing is, my dental practice didn't have any NHS slots. And um, I needed to see the dentist. It had been 10 years. Oh, so were you a private dentist? No, it's an NHS dentist. But if you pay like £7 a month, you get four appointments a year, two hygienists, two dental. So now I have to go four times a year and pay £7 a month. So that's basically what happened. There weren't any NHS But you also pay for your appointments when you're there. Go on, how much is a hygienist appointment? No, it's just £7 a month. That's it. And then you get four appointments a year for free. Unless I walked out without paying today. That's really cheap though because my my dentist appointments are like £25 each or something. Yeah, who's the fool now? I get four (laughs) a year. I basically live there. I think it's £7 a month. Maybe I need to check my bank. Maybe it's £27. It's not seven, is it? Seven is really cheap. But I wouldn't pay £27. I'm very, like, I only pay £8 for my phone a month. What are you, what is going on? You've got the world's cheapest dentist. Basically, it's my personal bank account, which I don't keep an eye on. I keep an eye on my business account, and I have to go and log so in. So basically, it's it's £40 a month, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I really thought it was £7 a month. 
It can't be, can it? That no, wouldn't make sense. Seven pounds every month for a year, so seven times twelve. This can't be right. It must be twenty-seven or seventeen. <laughs> Don't ever <laughs> ask Molly to do your accounts because she hasn't got a clue. <laughs> Basically, I was. What happened was I was really stressed. Hadn't been to the dentist in a very very long time it, it's within walking distance of my house they didn't have any nhs appointments they told me how much it would be and said i had first class teeth so i got the cheapest like <laughs> i won the cheapest one and i said yes please because i found a nice dentist now i can walk there from my house take my money and they might be taking seven they might be taking <laughs> 17 they might be taking 27 and i'm going to check after this call yes please so we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, next week, we don't know what we're going to be talking about because we're going to do a pre-record, so there won't be any questions. Yeah, it will just be a little bit of a surprise. So, you know, something to help you want to tune in again. <laughs> a surprise for us as well. Basically, I'm doing the Craft Festival Cheltenham next week, the show that has been giving me a lot of anxiety. I'm 10% excited, 90% nervous. Mm. But once I'm ready, I'll be 90% excited because I really want to do this show. It's just, I'm very anxious about it. It's going to be lovely. Yeah, hopefully. We just need to record prior to that Mm. to give me time to edit it so the next time we record i'm either gonna be a 10 Mm. on the anxiety scale because i have found out that i've got the dream house or i'm gonna be (laughs) like negative 100 because i found out that i haven't got it so that will be fun i think that's a lie because if you do get it you'll be like a two because you'll be (laughs) doubting yourself yeah you'll be like oh no have i made the right decision and i'll have to hear that for the next like three to four months (laughs) so i can't wait for that Uh, basically either way it's gonna be fun you're gonna want to tune in yeah if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate review and subscribe we really appreciate it and yeah we'll be back very soon i'm gonna just go and log on to my bank now (laughs) and (laughs) see what the dentist has been taking i'm staying on the zoom call because i need to find out how much molly's been robbed (laughs) I think I might have said I thought it was £7. I really did, but I don't think... It can't be, can it? £7 every month, so 7 times 12 for a year. Oh, I think it's 27 now. <laughs> <laughs> we're going so to end the podcast now. Okay, we're going to end the podcast now because I need to know how much Molly's paying for the dentist. I don't want to know. I didn't even know you could get, like, a dentist subscription service. <laughs> So extra.